Emily in Los Angeles. And I'm Dean in North Carolina, and this is Hack a Week Coast to Coast, episode 11. We're back. We're back. We had a week off, but we're back now. So, And interviewed some people, too. We've had three people on, three guests, and yeah. uh, that was fun. Was it three? Three or four? Four, four guests, three guests. Four, right? Yeah, we had Roger. Four, oh, yeah, yeah, we did. Gary, we had Caleb, and we had Alex. Yeah. So, four. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Had fun yeah. chats with all of them. That's some it's interesting like stuff. We had a regular episode, huh? Yeah. Yeah, wild. <clears throat> yeah, so, so uh, uh, yeah, what, what, what do we got this week? You wanted, you had some news you wanted to talk about. Well, the uh, the whole thing with that we were talking about actually with Caleb. Caleb lost his job with Maker Media because they shut the doors. Basically, they said Maker Media is over with um, for all kinds of reasons. More or less, it was just like the money thing wasn't working out with venture capital, and a whole bunch of corporate sponsors pulled out, and they couldn't afford to do Maker Fair the same way anymore because of that. So, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and. Uh, I was reading that they have reformed. Now it's called um, Make Community LLC. So they're back. Cool. And I guess a few people got their jobs back from what I hear. That's good. Um, oh, going to be doing a different thing, trying to build like value for the community, okay. which is a nice catchphrase, but we'll see how that works out. Um, yeah. I've actually offered you know, my thing with a YouTube channel if – they want to send me like any maker shed stuff. I'll do videos of it if it can help them sell stuff, I guess, on the maker shed. But they have a new website at uh, make.co. Um, it's still in the works a little bit, but it's there. And they've got a business model now where they want you to become a member and you can also contribute money to them if you like. Okay. So I think the membership costs money. You can also subscribe to the magazine, either digital or uh, paper. So we'll see how things will work out for them. And you still, um, I guess they're still retaining the Maker Fair licensing thing. So if you want to do a Maker Fair, yeah, you've got to license it through them. I'm not sure if those fees or whatever have changed. But anyway, Maker Fairs will still happen with the same logo and everything else. And, of course, maybe some new ones. Maybe some new form of a Maker Fair will pop up. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, uh, sometimes these kind of things, like when – when uh, when something like that happens, then sometimes you see like splintering, and like that can be bad, but also it can be good because you get a lot of people like trying new and different things, and then like they find new and better ways of doing things. So we might see some new kinds of maker fairs, and that might be kind of neat. Sure, couldn't um, couldn't be a bad thing at all. It's always fun getting right. people together. Wow. That's very, uh, <laughs> that's on the website. That's very professional sounding. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm being recruited for Scientology or something. Yeah. That <laughs> sounds like something off from uh, Black Mirror. <laughs> yeah. Creepy. Well, anyway, glad to see they're still going and it's uh, yeah. still going to keep going and Dale Daugherty's still hitting it up and wish him the best. Yeah. See how it all goes. Speaking of meetups and stuff, you're doing um, a meetup this week. That's right. Thing, right? What do you call yeah. it? So um, there's two of them, but I'll talk about one first. Um, so Roger, who we had on as a guest like, I don't know, a month ago. Um, Roger and I are starting a thing that we're calling Hack and Snack. And this is basically the model, like the bring a hack model that like Jerry Ellsworth does up in the Bay Area after Maker Fair. So like, but just smaller because we're, we're very local. Um, and we're just going to go to a pizza place and we're going to like reserve a, like some tables for two hours. And like if people want to come and they want to bring their hacks, like they can come and they can hang out and they can eat pizza. And if they want and if they're of age, they can drink some beer and we can just hang out and chit chat. And um, I'm really looking forward to this. This is going to be our first one this week. It's going to be on Wednesday at the Shakey's in San Gabriel uh, from six to eight. Um, we have like five RSVPers right now, which is not bad. I think if I got like 30 RSVPers, I'd be freaking out a little bit because I wouldn't know what to do with all those people. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, um, we'll see how it goes. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Roger and I have like a, like a weekly, like hacker thing we go to, but 
it, it, it's like a different format. It, it's in the workshop of one of the members and it's, you know, you can also bring food to that thing, but um, it's a little bit, I think it's a little intimidating for some people. I, I shouldn't say I think, I know it is because I've heard from a few people that have come and then not come. Like maybe one of their friends said, oh, you should come to this and they went and then they never went back. And it's like, well, what happened to that person? I said, I don't know, I felt intimidated. Those people there seem too smart. And you know, like we're meeting and like the guy that hosts it, his shop is like an electronics shop. He runs a business there. So it has a vibe, right? Like there's big bins of electronic parts on all the walls and like that stuff's cool. But like for someone who doesn't know anything about electronics, like maybe someone who's more into, I don't know, sewing or ceramics. Um, like people like that seem to be like, oh, well, you know, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I, I know about all this stuff. So these people seem really smart. So I wanna like, just like, let's hang out. Like, even if you don't know a lot about electronics, you can hang out and eat pizza, right? So that's what we're gonna try. Cool. I mean, just yeah. bring whatever, you know, bring bring exactly. your bring your wares, whatever it is you do, it's still cool. Yeah. I know, yeah. That, I know that vibe you're talking about too in the, uh, um, well, you know, back in the 70s, 80s, everybody repaired their radios. I used to hang out at some of those places. Some of those, <laughs> some of those electronics repair places in the 70s and 80s were like, oh man, I mean, it's like it just reeked of testosterone. <laughs> there was a hierarchy kind of a thing too, and a pecking order. You know, usually the, mm -hmm. the head tech dude was like, you know, all cocky macho guy that everybody looked up to, and and um, you know, when you'd hang, I had like groupies. <laughs> it was like groupies for yeah. some of these places. Yeah, they were weird. So I could see that if you walked into a place like that and you were into some other thing, it would be a little intimidating. So hopefully yours will, will welcome more people, will be more comfortable. You, yeah, can, you should well, Skype me in on a laptop. I'll say hi to everybody. <laughs> yeah, like we could totally do that sometime. That'd be yeah, fun. Yeah, it'd be fun. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's the one meetup. And then the other thing that we're going to start doing is like a, like a regular teardown get together and this is going to be hosted through um supply frame which is the parent company of hackaday they have um the supply frame design lab out out here in pasadena and um they host like regular events there like the hackaday la monthly meetups are there so roger and i are going to start a series where like we take a consumer product not of any particular kind necessarily but probably something that has a little bit of like covers a few bases like electronics and like machinery and and like plastics and like the idea is we're gonna like take it apart and like analyze it with a group of people and like we'll take it apart and we'll let people look at it and the idea is like just to get to know like how do companies design and build their products like what goes into it because like you can tear something apart and if you're like just tearing something apart to salvage it like oh may are you pull out your stepper motors and like oh that's a nice battery but like Sometimes it's cool to stop and look at what they've done. Like, how did they mold the plastic? What kind of plastic are they using? Like, oh, look, here's the uh, ejector pin, like the little marks from the ejector pins. Like, why did they choose to use an aluminum frame in this part when the rest of it's plastic? And so the idea is like, let's just get together and like look at how this stuff is made because like that's probably useful for some people. There's a lot of people in the hacker maker community that like are making things and they, they want to make it into a business and so it would probably be good to like learn like how do businesses make their products? Cause like when you're tinkering in your workshop, that's a very different process than like making something for yeah. production. So that's pretty cool. It's kind of a, uh, well, it's almost reverse engineering. Yeah. And yeah, you, exactly. like you said, you get to kind of dig in and, and see a little more than just pulling parts off, you know, how they built something, why they engineered it the way they did. And yeah. then even also, you know, look at a thing and go, Hey, this could have been done better. Sure. You know, there's plenty of uh, places like that I see and stuff I've taken apart. Like, what the hell are they thinking here? You know, so yeah, that yeah. sounds pretty cool. A teardown workshop, fun. Yeah, yeah. So cool. looking forward to that too. Um, trying to decide what our first thing we're going to tear down is going to be. I have a sewing machine that a coworker gave me that's broken, and I already have. I have two sewing machines, so I kind of like don't need another one. They're um, cool. They're way cool on the whole thing right. with the cams inside them and how they work. Yeah. Get into one of those and look at them. Right. It's, it's an analog device. It's like an analog computer in a way. Exactly. And yeah. you know, a, a lot of people, a lot of people that are into like making stuff, like 
know a lot about electronics, but a lot of people that know a lot about electronics don't know a lot about like mechanical stuff. Mm -hmm. so that might be kind of a fun thing for the first time. But then we had a guy at Hackaday LA last week who told us um, he has a bunch of like casino grade like card shufflers. And there's like a lot of electronics and like mechanical stuff in there. Because you can have, like, he, he was talking about like you can have them, sh it'll shuffle different ways for you. And wow. he volunteered to like bring one of them in if we want to tear one of those down. So we'll see. Probably be the sewing machine for this week unless we find something else between uh, now and whenever we have it. So we'll see. Man, that would be cool. I'd love to see what yeah. those. Yeah. Like money counting machines always blow my mind. You take a stack of 20s and make a deposit and they just go. And they're counting. <laughs> It's like, how does that, yeah. how does the thing, you know, know that it, that it did exactly that many and didn't count two as one, you know, right. <laughs> that's a pretty neat piece of engineering. And, you know, the bank, the people at the bank just take it for granted every day and trust it. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, when I, when I worked at Petco in college, um, I, I foolishly agreed to get promoted to supervisor, which basically meant I had to do all the manager's work without any of the manager's pay. Um, Fun. I had to, um, I was responsible for closing the store a lot of nights. And like, one of the things you have to do when you close the store is like, like zero out the register, like take the till and count all the money and like put it in the bank bag and put it in the safe. And I got so tired of counting the change. Like there was so much change to count. Right. And like, what a pain in the butt, like just counting all the pennies and all the nickels and all the dimes. And one night I was like, just mad and i we ha but we had a scale there for measuring dog treats right uh, like my dog treats in bulk and so i started like doing i started doing experimental like research into this thing like putting increasing amounts of nickels on there in like dollar amounts and like counting and like coming up with like a good average like how much do this amount of nickels weigh how much do this amount of pennies weigh quarters dimes etc you know and like I made a little chart that I kept like in the, in the register that was like, you know, this many pounds of, or this many ounces of nickels is this much money. And so at the end of the night, from then on, I would just pour all the individual like denominations of <laughs> coins out of the thing. And then like, there's the um, number of ounces, like multiply by that figure I have in the register. And it was like within three cents, like it was never, not quite perfect, but it was within like three to five cents every time. And What's like, that? Yeah, Petco didn't care unless you were off by $20. So with being within three to five cents was like pretty good. And so I didn't have to count the change anymore. I just poured mm -hmm. on the scale. That's awesome. <laughs> Problem solved. Yeah. Yeah, there's a life hack. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Before we started this episode, we were talking about how life hacks, you know, they, they just happen all the time for people like us. It's just problem solving in the days, you know, every day. You just kind of, oh, got to fix this. How am I going to do? Give me some bailing wire duct tape whatever you know move yeah. on well that's cool that's a good one i like that let's just weigh the money right <laughs> that's an awesome idea yeah since you had the scale right there right well since we're on the since we just mentioned uh life hacks that's a good segue you said you had a life hack that you wanted to talk about right but oh, no, it was actually a fail um, oh fail all right it was Sorry. a fail yeah well it was that fail it was at uh, at work at Resto Euro. Um, I'm working on this 1967 um, Austin Healey 3000. Um, some people may know that car. Pretty neat car, and uh, it needs needed tires. The tires that are on them, back then they sized tires differently. They were called 160 slash 15s. Well, the 160, really weird how it works because they're using metric, and um, U.S. measuring you know, the English measurement system at the same time. So the 15 is the size of the rim. The 160 is the width of the profile of the tire mm -hmm. across its widest section in millimeters, 160 millimeters. So 160, 15, right? 160 millimeters wide, 15-inch rim it fits on. So I'm going to get new tires, which are now sized a different way. Okay. And I ended up getting 165 60 15 so 165 that's the profile width 60 is the profile from the rim out to the outermost part of the tire but at that percentage of the 165 so 
that's how it gets calculated. So you, you kind of have to do a little yeah. math there if you actually want to do the size. They just took it for granted that they would work out. Well, they didn't work out. Um, they ended up being all kinds of goofy. It was like an inch and a half closer to the ground, and the tires were a lot smaller. So I ended up getting 195 7015s, which work out to be the same profile and size. So I, I learned something about tire sizing on that mistake. Okay. All right. Well, my fail was um, I didn't have a lot of opportunity because I, I spent most of the like last week on a road trip. So I wasn't doing a lot of hacking. I was in the car. But um, I did have a little bit of a, a fail, not so much in something that I like made or did as much as like I just made a bad purchase. Um, and let this this can be like a good uh, bit of consumer review for uh, other people out there. Uh, I needed some colored light bulbs for a project, and I went to Home Depot. And Home Depot has these like little colored Philips LED party bulbs, right? Okay, so I bought these these bulbs, and like they come in green, and they come in red, and they come in yellow, and they come in blue, and they come in purple, like all the colors you might want, right? But um, I should have known after I bought the red one. I bought the red one uh, like a couple months ago, and it was like it was red, but it wasn't like it wasn't vibrant red. And I was like, okay, fine, whatever. Then I went and I bought two more, and these stupid bulbs. Like the green one is also not vibrant green. It's very bright, but it's not very vibrant. But this purple one is just complete crap. And um, to be honest, they're all kind of crap. Because Philips, like, has not realized that we live in an era when you can have LEDs in any, any goddamn color you want. They're just putting white LEDs inside of this and then putting, like, a colored plastic, like, shell around it. So, like, when you turn on this purple one, like, one, it's dark because purple filters out most of the light. And two, what does come through... It's just like whitish purple or purplish white. It's crap. It's not even like a good purple. That's and like, lame. It's so lame. <laughs> like, dude, like, fine. All right. You know what? Like, purple LEDs are not the most common LEDs, but God damn it, like, <laughs> red and green are. And like, those are the most common LED colors. And the red and green ones are the same way. And you know what? They could have just put like blue and, and red in here and made purple for me. But so they suck. So. If anyone needs colored LED bulbs, don't buy these ones, these Philips ones from Home Depot. They're like six bucks and they're crap. They 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 look crappy in color. And um, now I have to go buy some some more bulbs off of Amazon. And I they have good reviews, but now I gotta go spend more money. So I'm I'm mad about that. And that's my fail. Take, take them back. <laughs> you know, I I was going to, but I just there, here's a bigger fail. I threw away all the packaging and the receipt. So oh. <laughs> I just like got them home and I ripped everything apart and threw it all away. And then like three days later, I like actually checked them and it was like, ah, oh, God dang it. I cannot take them back now because I don't have any of this stuff. So I'm so stuck. Break, break them open and hack them into something else. I was go. thinking about that. Honestly, yeah. I was thinking like, hey, I'll just cut it right here. And maybe I'll just put some purple LEDs inside and stick it back together. Put an animal skull on it. Right. <laughs> Put an animal skull on it. That'll work. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know what I'll do with them. I do want to dissect one, though, just to see what all is inside there. I'm curious. I've seen a few of the a few of those little stories done on that. Uh, people have done little teardowns on them. Yeah. Uh, I think EEV blog did one. Probably probably went on for like three hours. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway... I had, speaking of animal skulls, I got to tell this little story. I had a weird day. I had a, had a bummer of a day today. I was on my way down to the hardware store to pick up some stuff, going down the highway. And um, I think I've mentioned before, my, my wife and I are both into birds and animals. We just love animals. And uh, I was going down the road, and I see this red thing in the road. And I'm like, what is that? And as I went by, I was like, oh, it's a, it's a cardinal. You know, and my wheels straddled it, and I looked back in the rear of a mirror, and I saw it flapping its wings. And being the uh, animal lover and rescuer I am, I turned around, I went back, I picked up this little card, and he's like bleeding from an eye. His neck is flopping around. And long story short, I I brought him back home because I was like, I'm gonna save this freaking bird if I can. 
<laughs> and, you know, I almost knew it was hopeless, but I was just like, I gotta try. I can't just leave this bird here. I picked it up already. Yeah. You know, now I'm committed. So I wrapped it in this shirt. I got home. I bought probably two thirds of the way home. He fluttered in my hands and died in my hands. Ah. And I came in the house. I told Lisa about it. And I freaking fell to pieces. I just was like, God damn it. Yeah. It sucks, you know? And uh, anyway, we took it out back and we buried it next to the three Siamese cats we have out back. Yeah. <laughs> so the Siamese cat has a bird buried yeah. next to it now. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. And so then I went back down to Home Depot, or I mean Lowe's again. And the other day I noticed this and I went by it today and I went by it again today on the way back and said, God damn it, I'm going to pull over and get this poor bastard out of the road. A beaver got hit by a car like two days oh, ago geez. by the road because it was been raining a lot around here. So sometimes yeah. their, uh, their den will get flooded out, the displacement. Mm -hmm. And I've seen it before. They get clobbered on the highway. And yeah. so he's, he's been there about three days. And you know what that's all about. Yeah. <laughs> you know that smell. Well, I, I don't because I don't have a sense of smell, but I know about all the rest of that. Nasty. That's right. You lucky you don't have that sense of smell. Well, lucky and not, I guess. But so I I said I'm gonna get him out of the road. And this sucker was huge, man. He was like the size of a sack of grain, you know. And a big old stick pushing him out of the road. And he's just totally disgusting and gross. And I guess I was being really careful because it's like, don't get any of this anywhere near you it's going to smell forever and i guess somewhere i stepped on some little bit of something because i got back in the car and i'm driving like oh shit <laughs> it's, it's on my foot and then you know and so and then as i'm walking back to the car i come across some freaking dead butterflies i've had, I've had enough death today <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> jesus it was weird but of course, every time I see a dead animal beside the road now, I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I'll clean this. No, <laughs> not going to do it. Yes. <laughs> You've inspired me to want to try, but uh, <laughs> process is gnarly. You you have a little bit of space. You should do the Dermistid beetle route because the, the maceration route is just the worst. Like, that's the most revolting thing you can do. But the beetles, like, that's not too bad. Like... They eat pretty fast. They don't really let it rot. And, like, they'll clean it all up for you. So well, so what, do you bury it partially to do that? Uh, no, you just, like, basically have, like, a terrarium or, like, an aquarium or, like, a big, like, one of those big storage things from Home Depot, you know, like those big storage totes. Yeah. And you just start your, your dermistid colony in there, and then you just take your animal and just set it in there and put the lid on, and they just eat it all uh -huh. up. And they'll just oh. eat it and eat it and eat it until it's just like bones and fur lying there. Yeah, right. Well, that's a thought. <laughs> yeah. And you can buy those beetles online. So you can have like, like that. You have them ship you like 500 beetles and like get your colony going. Holy crap. Didn't yeah. know about that at all. I mean, I've seen beetles do that in the wild, you know, beetles and maggots. Yeah. Disgusting. That's what they use at like museums. Like if you, if you're a, if you work at like a natural history museum or something and you like want to clean a skeleton, like they use the beetles because the beetles, like they do a really good job of cleaning and they're like pretty gentle. They don't like damage stuff too much. So it's just a passive thing. No, you just put it in there and wait. Yeah. 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 Wow. You don't have, to have like rotting animals in water for six months, like macerating requires. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Making a stew you're never going to eat. <laughs> no. Oh, God, it's so awful. You have no idea. <laughs> well, speaking of other things with animals, um, little topic I wanted to get on today, it's much happier than all this death stuff, is uh, cats. Cats in the workshop. There are quite a few out there. Did you know that? In the maker. Yeah. Yeah. You have one. I do. And his name is? Jub Jub or Jubs <laughs> or Jubbers. Yeah, pl plenty of names, of course, for cats. Yeah. yeah, I saw your video the other day of uh, sneaking up on him and scratching him. That was pretty cool. He was very pleased with that. He was. Yeah. So, um, Adafruit, uh, they had a black cat named Mosfet mm -hmm. uh, from 2000 to 2018. In fact, if you Google um, Mosfet the cat um, on YouTube, you will find the tribute video to Mosfet. He passed away in 2018. Um, Jerry Ellsworth has a cat named Darlington. <laughs> like the Darlington transistor. 
Um, I'm not sure if she still has Darlington or not. Um, maybe we'll have to ask her about that sometime on on Twitter. And then Evil Mad Scientist has a cat named Zener, full name Zener mm. Diode. Yeah. And then, of course, I have JFET. Yeah. Junction Field Effect Transistor Cat, <laughs> who was rescued from the wheel well of a Ford uh, Focus when he was itty-bitty, tiny little thing. So, yep, cats are out there in the maker community and on workbenches everywhere, helping people out. They are. They are or great. At least, at least supervising, right? Yes, they're good at that. Very good <laughs> at that. Well, projects, you yes. have been prolific in the last month. It's just like every time I turn around, there's another project posted on Twitter. you got all kinds of stuff going on. Tell us about some of those. Yeah, what have I been working on that I haven't mentioned yet? Um, so that that vacuum fluorescent display project that Roger and I have been working on for a while now, that one's, that one's uh, paused right now, and not for any good reason other than that um, I need a Raspberry Pi Zero for it. And um, <laughs> so, like, Target and Fry's and, like, Micro Center and a bunch of places have these um, – Google AIY kits. And the idea was like that kids could learn how to make their own like voice assistant, like make their own Alexa, right? And so these kits shipped with a Raspberry Pi Zero and like this this voice speech synthesis and voice recognition like hat or shield or whatever they call it for the Pi. And I guess someone bought them and they clearanced them out and um, they were going for $5 a piece. Uh, which is a steal because e even if you don't want to do anything with Google AIY, you're getting a Raspberry Pi Zero W um, plus like the like the cord and uh, and and a formatted SD card for five bucks. Wow! And yeah, and so I was like, holy crap! Like I need to get some of these, and um, they're going fast. Like everyone found out about this, and a friend of mine was at Target, and I was talking to her, and I was like. I mentioned like, oh, I have to get some of these. She says, oh, I'm at Target right now. Do you want me to look? And I was like, yeah. So she bought me three of them. And like, I've hung out with her like four times since then. And every single time, like both of us forget about like that we're <laughs> supposed to like exchange money for the Raspberry Pi. And like, she and I don't live near each other at all. Like she lives all the way on the west side of LA and I live all the way over on the east side. So when we hang out, we like meet in the middle. So it's not like I'm going to her house. So like we hung out yesterday and we forgot again and so I, I have not gotten, and, I, and I'm like, I don't want to buy another Raspberry Pi Zero when I already have three like waiting for me. So that project is on hold until I remember to get those stupid pies from her. Um, other than that, um, what have I been into? Um, I started looking at, there's a library for Arduino called Mozzie, and that's M-O-Z-Z-I. And it's, a, it's an FM synthesis library and it makes them like really like a, a pretty robust number of sounds um i have not had the greatest luck with it because the documentation kind of sucks um and i'm not that good at coding so when i look at like the example sketches i can modify them a bit but i'm i'm not like good enough at coding to write my own sketches my own mozzie sketches really that do much of anything from scratch um but nonetheless i've been playing with that um because i've been working on this raccoon skull synthesizer and mozzie is going to be at the heart of that and i actually just finished that more or less right before we started this so we're, we're almost ready to go on that but yeah i've been playing with mozzie um it's cool if you're smart with coding and you like sounds um uh, and synthesizers uh go check it out uh, you'll probably have better luck with it than me because you're probably smarter with coding. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm good at I'm good at copy pasting a lot of other people's code <laughs> and figuring right. out how to put it together. Yeah, so. that, that's what I usually do. But like, there aren't a bunch of like, there isn't a bunch of stuff that other people have done with Mozzie. Like, I see a lot of projects that people have done with Mozzie, but they never have their code anywhere. And so I can't look at their code, which is also kind of like not helping because like I learn a lot by looking at other people's code and like how they how they yeah. wrote their stuff compared to like how the author like came up with all this stuff. Like you can see like, well, the author writes code this way, 
but other people are using it this way, but no one's posting their code. So I've been having a little bit of a rough time with Mozzie. Um, but whatever, I, I have the raccoon synth mostly almost done. So uh, I've been doing that. Um, I was, what else was I working on? Oh, I've been playing with Ubuntu and this was actually like an outgrowth of my Mozzie experiments. Um, the Mozzie library comes with some Python scripts to do a couple of things. And like Mozzie uses these things called wavetables to encode samples. So you can, you can record like short samples of audio and then it gets, the audio gets turned into like a table with a bunch of numbers. And so Mozzie will read that back and like play the sound back. Um, and it comes with a script that turns wave files into like wave tables. And I was having the damnedest time running the this script on my Mac. I have a Mac for work that I use for a lot of my stuff because my other computer is a Chromebook, which is good for going on the internet and not really anything else. Um, but I was having a lot of problems um, using my MacBook because like Macs, Macs ship with a certain version of Python and like some of this stuff is not compatible with the version of Python that Mac uses because like it's an older version of Python. But then if you up, from what I understand, if you update the Python that's in your MacBook to the new version of Python or a newer version of Python, it'll break your MacBook. Like it'll just completely fuck it up. Um, wow. Yeah. Not so, cool. yeah. So I was like, so my friend Roger was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, do not install a newer version of Python. You're going to destroy your work computer. And I was like, okay. So he says, like, use this Python sandbox it, um, called Anaconda something or another. Try this. It basically builds, like, a little walled garden that you can play with Python in, and it keeps it from, like, it's not exactly like a virtual machine, but sort of, well, like, because it's a work computer, like my workplace put a whole bunch of parental control stuff on it. And like, it just made a mess. Like every single time Anaconda wanted to like access Python for every single operation, it, it like would pop up like a little like authentication thing to ask me for my username and password. So like just opening Anaconda, it was like 12 of them. And then like, if I wanted to like press run on like a script, like, Every time it tries to reach down in there, like username and password, username and password, username and password. And in the meantime, the script is like, why am I getting permission denied? And then it would just fail. So um, Roger said, you know, maybe you want to try Ubuntu. And that's uh, for people that aren't familiar. I'm sure most people are. It's a, it's a Linux operating system. Um, and I had an old laptop. It was my laptop that I got when I graduated from college in 2010. It was a Windows machine and it was it was just completely messed up because um <laughs> i i so for people that don't remember like back when like windows 7 was new they did this thing where like windows would just start it would just restart to start like installing updates but it wouldn't give you like an option or a warning it would just be like i'm restarting now <laughs> like yeah. i'm gonna restart in 10 minutes i'm restarting now and like more than once it screwed up something I was working on. And so I went in and turned that off. It was like, you're only going to install updates when I restart you from now on, when I like turn the computer off and on. But then I didn't turn my computer off for like a year. Like I just like would, I would just close the lid and it would go to sleep and then I'd open it. And so it, it built up like 300 plus updates that needed installing. And like one day, um, I had to restart it for some reason, probably because it got frozen or something. And then it's trying to install all 300 plus updates all at the same time. And it completely screwed itself up. Like it, it just, the thing was destroyed. Um, it didn't work right after that ever. And so Roger said, let's put Ubuntu on it. So we did that. And now I have an Ubuntu computer and it's been pretty fun to play with. I've never played with a computer um, that runs Ubuntu before. Um, you know, I've run like played with Raspbian, and there's some similarities because they're Linux systems. But yeah, it's cool. It's kind of fun. This show it'll run on a lot of stuff too. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and you know what? Like, there's we've gotten at least I've gotten very used to like the 
the way that modern computers are, like everything is very prescribed. Like, like there's installers to install stuff. And like, it's all very like, like it holds your hand the whole way. Yeah. And like, that's good. Cause like, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, it'll, it'll, it'll make sure you don't screw it up. But then sometimes like you want to install things a certain way, or like you want to install something, even though the computer doesn't want you to. And then like, it's kind of a pain in the butt, but Ubuntu isn't like that. Like literally you just go into terminal and just like write your commands and it just starts pulling the software from some server and it installs it. And then like you install all the like other stuff, the dependencies and whatnot. Also just by like writing stuff in the terminal. And it, like, I haven't used a computer like that since like, I was like maybe 12. My parents had like their, their windows 3.1 uh, computer yeah. and like, it's very like nuts and bolts. You're just in there like tinkering on the computer, like and like I kind of miss that. So it's been kind of fun to play with Ubuntu. It's packages, just so it has the, just what it sounds like. It's a package. If you don't like it, you just grab the whole package and throw it away. <laughs> right. Boom! It's uninstalled. Right. It's not tied into the operating system the way it is with the registry and everything else in Windows. Right. Um, it's really weird. You know, it's like you install something in Windows and it's like all these tentacles run through the entire OS. Mm -hmm. And uh, although I guess now, I don't know if it's coming up or not, but there's like supposedly a Linux kernel in one of the latest releases of Windows 10. Um, oh. I think it's the next one coming up. It's actually, they, they've got a, a Linux kernel in it now, which is, well, good. <laughs> it's about time. Yeah. Um, because it works, you know, yeah. but the old, um, God, Windows 95 and then 98 was just basically a patched up version of 95. Yeah. But that same thing happened uh, to my wife's computer, Windows 7. She had some problems one day and I said, well, when was the last time you couldn't turn the computer off? And she goes, oh, every day I went, I said, is it off right now? Yeah. What's the blinking light? Wait a minute. You know, and I checked and it was just going into hibernation it was not turning off yeah i said so we need to restart this thing same thing restarted it and it was like three or four hours later the yeah. computer is still doing these updates and she was a little worried but it eventually did okay it didn't screw it up but it, it was down for like a whole day she didn't have it for use at yeah. work you know it's crazy so i told her make sure you set do the settings where it, you know, it turns off and back on once in a while. And Windows 10 now is different. You know, it lets you know, it's like, hey, there's updates. You got to do them, you know. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Um, and then, the, so one thing I did find out with uh, Ubuntu is that it's also very easy to screw up your computer if you start goofing around. Oh, yeah. I was trying to install the uh, Arduino IDE. And my first install of Ubuntu, for whatever reason, it was... When I when the installer for IDE was trying to like put some files into some folders, it was getting permission denied. And so I was like, oh well, I'm just gonna go in there and give myself permission. And like, so I just changed like the ownership from root to myself for a couple folders. And like that didn't work. So I'm like, well, I'm just gonna keep going up like the up the like file path to like higher and higher levels. And then I eventually ended up changing the ownership of the USR file from my from root to myself and it it broke sudo like I couldn't like sudo didn't work anymore and like nothing worked anymore and like that was it like the computer was just completely goofed um, but fortunately like I had only had Ubuntu for like two days and I didn't have anything on it so I just like did a fresh install and um, now I have Arduino installed just fine and everything works so yeah. Cool. Yeah. And then there was a fix for that. I read on Twitter too. What was it? You do like a backup something on a USB drive, like a rescue thing. Yeah. Called now. Yeah. Someone said like there's some kind of software that basically builds you like a, like a, I don't know what you call it, like a, like a photograph of your computer. Kind of like how um, System Restore worked on Windows. Yeah. But yeah. So you can like kind of go back and undo, undo the stuff you yeah. did that screwed everything up. Yeah. So I should probably do that before I get too deep in it Ubuntu. Uh, and I don't know, did I, have I been working on any other projects? I don't know. I can't remember. 
I think that's that's probably it. You covered the ones I remember seeing on Twitter. You okay. know, the, yeah, the one with the uh, what was it called? Is it Mozzie? Mozzie, yeah. Yeah, Mozzie. Remember that one? And then yeah. of course the raccoon that's still crying yeah. out for a name. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, I've got it right here. So this is uh, this is the raccoon scent, and I have a few tweaks to make. But right now, what it does is when you open the lid, it turns on because there's a. Uh, little switch right here and you can see the skull right there and it's got all its knobs all over here great so, sound yeah so that's the raccoon scent straight out of a david lynch flick right there <laughs> <laughs> i like how the knobs are almost lined up with the eyes on the skull it's yeah kind of Gives it a, a, a kind of a weird eyeball-y look thing. Yeah. So I think all I want to do else to this thing is um, I'll make like a little magnetic like latch so that the lid like yeah. clicks shut and shut. And then I need to just put some rubber feet on the bottom. And then I think I'm done. So, nice cigar box. Right. Like I felt bad drilling holes in it. I was trying to avoid drilling holes because like there's a nice old cigar box. Like a really like good like nice mahogany like it's been aged yeah. um but um i couldn't fit five potentiometer knobs up here and with still being able to see the skull and right. so yeah had to drill some holes it's all in the name so, of science <laughs> that's right and it looks pretty cool i like these knobs just kind of sticking out of the sides of the box yeah sort of mystery box like someone will walk up and be like what is this and they open the lid and there's a raccoon skull that's glowing and making noises so and, and then they run <laughs> yeah cool so what have you been working on um not a lot of projects but a little at a time i've been printing parts for my build of soppy the rover ah yeah but i've got um i've got this aluminum channel that uh, was given to me to do some videos on micro racks, it's called, and it's 10 millimeter by 10 millimeter aluminum channel cool. with a little slot in it. <clears throat> and I suppose you could buy T-nuts for this if you went shopping around, but what it came with was little strips of aluminum pre-threaded that you slide into that slot and then you can just, you know, bolt them together. Um, kind of like a little erector set. So yeah. 10, 10, millimeters, 10 millimeters on these versus 15 millimeters on uh, the soppy that Roger uh, Chang has shared and has all the uh, STL files and everything for. Um, so it's basically, you know, two thirds of what his spec is because they're 15. I got 10. So what I'm doing is I'm taking all of the files and I bring them into Cura, and then I downsize them, and I set them at 66.6% of original. So yeah. I reduce them by 33.3%. We'll just throw out that three repeating, because we all know that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the 10 millimeter channel drops right in perfect. Fits really, really nice. So that's what I've been doing, is um, reducing all these down. And I'm going to call it soppy 666 it's going to be the evil satanic rover robot <laughs> yeah, and I, I started printing the wheels in red this is the size of the wheel so you get an idea how much yeah. smaller it is I mean, but i think yeah. i'm gonna do the wheels in black just um just because i'm gonna do all the other parts in uh in red but so far i've got what have i got i got the corners printed for the frame uh the end for the uh, bogey this is called the bogey body and then just before we started hang on a sec just before we started this podcast this piece came out this is another another part this is the part that goes on the the uh oh, yeah that's bogey. like the pivoting yeah. part right? yeah I've been, I've been printing this right on the glass with just a brim and it's working out pretty good but the tricky part, like Roger was saying, is when you look at the STL file, this one was like oriented like something like this, just floating in space. So you have to like move it, rotate it, get it the right direction where if you really work at it, you can get it where you don't need to do a lot of support material. Like these, I started printing these like flat on their backs mm -hmm. 
and um, they tended to warp. Okay. So then I tried one this way that needed too much support. So then I did one on one of its little edges at an angle like this, and it works really well. No support at all, and it comes awesome. out really nice and clean. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing. I got, I don't know how many parts to go. I got it in my little maker notebook. Awesome. Um, yep, got a list of all the stuff I got going on. What have I got? I got two, three, I got, th I'm up to three parts of... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty, <laughs> a whole bunch. <laughs> There's a lot of parts to go. Yeah. So as I get time, that's what I'm doing. And I come home, come out here and tinker around for a bit, resize the thing as I need, put it on the SD card, fire up the 3D printer, and walk away. Just let it print. Awesome. So a little at a time, I'll get these um, all printed, and I can start assembly, which will be exciting. And I'm going to put... Uh, I don't know what in it for a controller yet. I've got to work out motors. They're not going to be the servos. They're just going to be little right. gear motors. Um, I will do micro servos for the steering, mm -hmm. but I'm just going to use small gear motors for the uh, the drive motors. Cool. And get them on Amazon uh, pretty cheap. Yeah, I, I you probably remember when we were up at Maker Fair, um, Marco, he uh, he had built a, a copy of Soppy, a Soppy copy. Um, and he had used motors in the wheels, like the drive in place of servos. Cause Rogers uses like continual rotation servos, but Marco had put like regular motors in there. And you remember how much faster his version of it was like, yeah. his, like flew. Um, so that'll be cool. Yeah. Um, mine should do at full, uh, full speed. It should travel. I did the math the other day. Um, in about one minute, it should go a little over 10 feet, something okay. like that. So that's cool. that's pretty good. And they'll have really good gear reduction, too. So it should handle yeah. odd terrain pretty well. So um, one thing that I wanted to mention, if um, you because you talked about printing the tires in black. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing that um, I wanted Roger to try that he didn't get around to and then maybe you would uh, be interested in is so his wheels like work pretty well on like they they drive on flat ground really well they'll drive on like sandy stuff but like if it if it, the rover tries to climb things and they're not like if it's if it's climbing dirt it's fine but if it tries to climb over like rocks and things the wheels are slippery because it's just yeah. like hard plastic right and so like soppy has a hard time going up curbs and things and i told him that he should try coating the outside of his wheels with um truck bed liner because that'll make it grippy and it also protect the surface of the wheel a little bit because, you know, the wheels get like a little bit bashed up when they're driving over stuff. But that truck bed liner is pretty, pretty durable. And they make it in a spray can. And I haven't built a soppy, but um, yeah, I don't know. Might be the thing if you uh, if you're interested in climbing stuff with your rover. Yeah, and since you're gonna gear it, yeah, um, yeah. I'll try that. They uh, okay. spray can version of their truck bed liner is a little bit slippery. Um, it's got okay. a bit of a grit to it. It's kind of gritty. Yeah. But um, I was thinking that same thing too. And I was thinking of possibly figuring out some rubberized spray coating, which there is out there for undercoating on cars. There's a couple different yeah. types. And there are some that are like a rubberized um, undercoat. That might be kind of neat to put on them. Yeah. Uh, the other alternate would be the uh, the spray-on Plasti-Dip stuff that's mm, yeah. real popular on cars now. If you put about 10 coats of that stuff on, of course, it would get a little beat up. Um, some of it might peel off a little, but it's pretty resilient. Yeah. That could work. But yeah. that, that's, I want to do this like I've done most of my other Rover robots where it's got like um, just some simple sensors, like a ping sensor, mm -hmm. uh, maybe multiples. Um, and if it's going to bang into something that's above a certain height, it's just going to stop and back up. But yeah. if it can, it'll climb over stuff. So I would I would love to just see it just roaming around on its own. It's always fun to make autonomous um, robots that do that, that you just set some parameters for how close it's going to get to something. And then the closer you get that, the more trouble it gets into. And it's fun to watch how... It can either it gets stuck or it doesn't, and you know there's a tendency to go pick it up and help it out. But it's fun sometimes to just let it sit there and keep working it out. 
and sometimes it'll wiggle around enough and get itself out of trouble and keep motoring on. Yeah. Little camera maybe with uh, some Wi-Fi transmitting the. That'd be nice. Video that's pretty easy to do anymore. That'd be yeah. fun. Yeah. And you could just go in your backyard and then go in and go in the hack shack and then just like pull it up and watch where your robot is driving. Right. Right across the road as the car goes by and gets squished. <laughs> right. Let's hope not. Yeah. <clears throat> I just put it in the backyard and see what the dogs do with it. That's going to be the funnest thing. <laughs> bark at it, you know, a big dog, big dog face. Right. <laughs> put some dog face on it. Let them. Right. Let them around. Yeah. <laughs> so that's about the extent of my project stuff uh, in the shop here is that just a little at a time because I'm so busy running the business these days. God, it just eats up so much of your mental power too, you know? And um, lately it's been working a couple extra hours a day all the time now. <clears throat> okay. But that's good. I mean, being busy with your business is a good thing to have, right? Yep, growing a future there. It's doing really well. Picking up a little more all the time. Um, That's kind of right, right on the edge of where it's time to maybe hire some other help, but um, got to get more working capital going. It's just how it goes. Sure. Yep. Yep. I was talking to, um, I think his name is Alex. You've probably seen him on Twitter as Femto Duino. He makes those yeah. really cool little. Um, uh, microcontrollers that are the size of a dime. He actually sent me two of them. Yeah, they're but, cool. But uh, I was griping the other day. Yeah, they're super cool. I need to find something to do with them. I think I'm going to try to make a solar-powered something out of one of them. Um, but I, I was griping the other day about, like, not wanting to be back in L.A. because I was out of town for most of a week. And it's like, ah, oh, God, it's all crowded here. And he um, he lives up in Fort Bragg, California, like way up in Northern California, like up above the Bay Area. And he was like, Oh, you should move to Fort Bragg. And I was like, yeah, but there's no job there. And he was like, oh, well, like, I would hire you to do work for me. And I'm like, yeah, dude, but like, <laughs> you're not going to be able to pay me a salary. <laughs> you know? Like, it's just him. It's just his him, like, doing his thing. And it's like, dude, I, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but, like, you're not going to be able to pay me $60,000 a year. Like, like to pay me like 15 like i can't do that so Not yeah like having the capital to like business is hard right 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 yeah <clears throat> well you know it's in stages growing a business is definitely in stages um first year out was you know pretty cool um was in a small place the overhead wasn't much and um there was enough work coming in that you know things were kind of on even keel second year you start expanding you start buying equipment it's all about expenses 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 and in the third year, you get so busy that you have to be producing the work to get it out the door to pay for all this new overhead you have in a bigger building, et cetera. But at the same time, because you have more work and more customers, you as the owner now have to do more managing and dealing with customers, which pulls you away from being able to produce a revenue stream. So it's like it's catch-22, you know? So, um yeah, yeah, the next, yeah, I've got someone in mind I want to hire for uh, like the front end of things um, that has like actually a business administration degree, but uh, it's awesome. just all about money. So trying to work out something with the bank, just got to do a little work with some credit and get things a little more straightened out there and we'll be good to go. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Taking a month off next week or a week off right. next month though. So vacation. Where are you going? To the Adirondacks where I grew up um family reunion that'll be nice yep the uh, one surviving member on my mom's side of the family uh my uncle llewellyn whose nickname is bunny <laughs> he's uh turning 80 years old so he's uh cool he's quite a story he started out as a bag boy for safeway and eventually came became like the east coast regional manager of the whole outfit when he retired so Totally worked his way up the ladder, you know, did every single thing you can possibly do in a supermarket and retired from it. That's good. Yeah, you know, the American dream. I was for Safeway when I was in high school, but I did not move up. <laughs> <laughs> I worked for a year and then I quit. So. Well, you went lateral, <laughs> out the door. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, that'll good be neat. Um, I mean, the family reunion is not going to turn an entire month in, is it? Or is it? 
Oh no, we're just we're going. Uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna close the shop for one week, and um, okay. then uh, my employee is gonna take a vacation too, paid, giving him a paid vacation, even though he hasn't been there for a year, because that's how I operate. <laughs> you know, you gotta reward people for their hard work, and he has. He's really been busting his pump. So, but we're gonna be gone for uh, probably ten days on that trip, um, taking the two doggies oh. with us. Cat is staying here. We've got a painter coming that uh, my father-in-law knows really well, and he's going to stay at our house, take care of the cat, and paint the house while we're gone. <laughs> awesome. So we're going to come back home to a painted house. So that's one big thing out of the way for getting us closer to cool. selling the place. Yep. Color are you going to paint? White. <laughs> just some some light color that, you know, everybody's just going to come and go, oh, yeah. it's so clean, you know, and then they can do whatever they want after. Yeah, yeah. So we have a friend that's a real estate agent, so yeah. she's great to have as a consultant. That's like, hey, what sells? You know, <laughs> what should we do here? So that's yep. him. Yep, white, yep. white off white. My parents are painting the house um, tomorrow, and I was over there yesterday helping them a little bit. They actually were like, hey, your belated birthday presents are here. Like, when can you come pick them up? And I went over, and they were in the middle of uh, like, they have to get all the stuff off the outside of the house to paint it because they have like, 20 years of plants and like stuff they've stuck to the house it all has to come off so they were just like knee deep in that so i helped them for a little while yesterday so they're getting their house painted tomorrow so they're going to so. paint it like yellow and red and green in true hispanic fashion or <laughs> <laughs> i wish but um i actually no, my... love that i love that about that that whole that whole mexican thing of brightly colored buildings i think it's great oh yeah if, if I am ever able to buy my own house, I, I love, 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 like, the Hispanic, like, bright color thing that, like, you see so much in Latin America. Um, yeah. I would love to paint my house like that, um, <clears throat> but I can't afford a house here in L.A. But, no, my, my mom is white, and my dad is whitewashed Mexican, so they are not going with anything wild. <laughs> it's going to be, like, pastel yellow with blue trim, and uh, I don't like either of the colors, but it's their house, so, it's not my say so. You wear dark sunglasses when you go to visit them. <laughs> right. I tried to convince them to paint it um, when I was a kid. It, it, you know, it's like a 1960s tract house, and like tract houses came in some weird colors for a while in the 60s, oh, yeah. and their house was lime green. And like, so the house was lime green when I was little. And then they painted it like a blue color with white trim. And I always liked the green, and I always wanted it to be green again. I was trying to convince them to paint it lime green, but they didn't go for it. So it's going to be yellow with blue trim now. Well, so yeah, like you said, it's their house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I ever own my own house, I can paint it lime green if I want. When you own your own house, how's that? Yeah, uh, I'm gonna have to leave LA if I'm ever gonna do that, though. So, well, like my um. Like my coworker, he lives he lives just a little bit north of where we work, and he's been trying to get me to buy a house on his street for like a year, and he's like, oh, just buy a house, just buy a house, like I'll keep an eye out for you, and I'm like, dude, I cannot afford to live in your neighborhood. I can't afford to live in like the bad parts of LA. No, 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 my neighborhood's not that bad. And then this week he came in and was like, hey, there's there's a house up for sale on my street, and I was like, oh yeah, and he's like, yeah, but uh, yeah. They want eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars for this house, Whoa. and it's just—it's just a tract house, and it's not even in good shape. Like it's not maintained. The yard is like a mess. Damn. They're asked eight fifty for that thing. So I was like, "See, I told you, dude. Like I told you, I couldn't move to your neighborhood." So, but he bought like six years ago before the housing market had completely gone crazy. So, yeah, he wow. was able to do it. I can't. I'm gonna have to move. They're not bad around here. I mean, one day it might not be hack a week. It might be hack a week, like coast to Utah or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those, uh, incidentally, all the pictures you posted on your trip were pretty cool. They looked like a fun trip. Uh, it was so good. I have not been on a trip on myself in the longest time, and it was good to yeah, just. I can tell you were having a blast. You had a big old yeah. smile on your face. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It was good. That was fun. Thanks for sharing. It's a nice little vicarious trip to Northern California and Nevada. Yeah. 
for all of our listeners out there, if you're ever in California or if you're already living in California and you've not been up in the Eastern Sierras, um, I highly recommend it. Up Highway 395 is very nice. Um, people that usually go up there usually only go to either Mammoth or to um, Mount Whitney. But there's a lot more up there along Highway 395 that's super gorgeous. And I highly encourage you to check it out. It's just such a wonderfully pretty part of the country. Yeah, it is. Well, I guess we're going to wrap it up. It's about an hour. Yep. Yep. Well, cool. Well, good catching up. It's the first time we've had a chance for just you and I to talk about what's going on. So Yeah. Fun. Um, you can find our podcast on all the usual places. It's just scattered all over the place, plus right here on YouTube. And um, I have a YouTube channel. It's Hack a Week TV. And you can find me on Twitter at Hack a Week. And Emily has a YouTube channel. I do. It's called Emily's Electric Oddities. And I haven't had a video out for maybe a month, but a video on the raccoon skull synthesizer is in the works. I have it all filmed and I just need to put it together. So uh, visit my channel and subscribe so you can see what I did with this poor raccoon's head. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Okay. Well, I guess that's a wrap. So until yeah. next time. Keep on hacking. Bye. Bye.